This is The Playbook. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so blessed uh, to be here today. And I'm bringing on my friend here, uh, Mr. Sean Dill. Uh, he is the head of the Black Diamond Club. He is the head of Quest 7. He is an incredible leader within the health service community, the service provider community. And we both have a shared passion, Sean, as you hear Jake in the background, by the way, um, we, we have this shared passion for sales. And uh, every profession requires sales. Some people, uh, it's more apparent than others. And I use parent because uh, the greatest place where it's not apparent is being a parent. And I find that my sales skills are the greatest skill that I have when it comes to being a parent. Uh, but let me uh, go ahead. Jake, Jake is, uh, oh, I'm sorry there. Hey, Jake, can you hear me? Jake, can you hear me? Awesome. So we'll bring uh, Sean Dill on here uh, as he comes to, to help me out. But, you know, I was talking about sales and I think a lot of people, when they know their essence to be their sales, their skills and their desire, um, don't realize that everyone needs sales skills and they're not always a parent. And I say a parent because anyone that's a parent uh, probably knows how important it is to be able to sell. Um, and to understand what selling is. Selling to me is, and I try to simplify it the best I can, is the ability to share a vision while articulating a quantitative value to exceed what you're asking for. Uh, and when we simplify uh, the understanding of sales to the prospect of, hey, look, what I'm trying to do is share a vision and to do so, my prioritized objective is to quantify and articulate that quantification to exceed what I'm asking for. And I think it's really, really important uh, for people to understand uh, at its core that quantitative value um, of uh, how to do that, et cetera. And I wanted to bring one of my best friends in the world up, an expert at selling, because he's not in the business of selling. He's in a business of sharing a vision to a community of people who are healers, a community of people that are there to help others uh, and know others to help others uh, with the non-negotiable priority of life, their health. And so let's start by welcoming uh, my friend, Sean himself, Dr. Sean Dill. I nicknamed him the Shank Dilly. Uh, they've now created a drink at your local bar. So make sure you're ordering the Shank Dilly. Uh, Sean, you know, thanks for joining me to talk about my favorite topic and one of yours. How do we share a vision and articulate the quantitative value? Welcome. Thank you so much. Super excited to be here. Super excited to see you on my screen. I'll see you in uh, a couple hours in person here. Yeah, I'm going to be speaking at a sales seminar uh, here, and it's the Sales Matters with the Black Diamond Club Uh and I will say that that jacket, he has a Travis Matthews jacket on for those who can't see him. What a, you look great. You look great. Now you're starting to dress like me. Congratulations. You know, I, I always like to get people's perspective on sales that aren't, you know, the vice president of sales of manpower, you know, or, you know, a certain sales rep for solar or a door-to-door -door salesperson. What perspective do you have on sales as an executive of such a large organization? 
Well, like you said, I work with a lot of service providers. And so the people that I work with have a vision um, and passion for some sort of service that they provide themselves as a human asset. They're, they're serving humanity. And what I love about it is it doesn't matter what it is. If they write copy, if they cut hair, if they are in the medical space, they literally believe that the, the service that they provide to the world can literally change the world. That's super cool. Um, when you find that in a person, then you realize that we actually have an, a moral obligation to share those gifts with the world. And so my wife, Lacey, and I, we became aware of this um, a while back, a few years ago, when we had the realization working with uh, healthcare providers that in reality, the world's greatest healers, the people that have the greatest gifts, they live in relative obscurity simply because they don't embrace the concepts of being an entrepreneur, of being marketing, sales, and good stewardship of, of their finances. And that's a shame, you know, because social media, like what we're doing now, allows us to amplify a voice. Um, and you and I are, are close. We both know each other. I think that we would um, agree that neither of us is like the world's greatest in any one particular thing, but we have a platform. We have the ability to um, amplify our, our voice. The, the shame is that there are artists, there's musicians, there are people that are extremely talented that nobody knows who they are because they don't know how to sell. And so selling helps you to bring your true um, God-given gifts to the rest of the world. It's the bridge. It's the conduit. It's not a negative thing. It's something that we should all embrace so that we're living our full life potential. And there's so much math involved in sales. And in this, I, I'll talk about sharing a vision uh, with our skills, our knowledge, and our desire. And like you said, if we don't know how to share that vision and we don't have a community to share it with, uh, mathematically, you know, we're not going to have the impact or monetarily, we're not going to receive enough support to continue to aggregate, accelerate, compound the opportunities, options, and touches of favor that we can bless people with according to our skills, our knowledge, and our desire. Um, have you figured out any mathematical uh, strategies to help clarify to people, you know, hey, this is a good opportunity mathematically to number one, the more people that we share a vision with, the better our statistical success. The more people we convert, the better the statistical success. What are some of the statistics, the quantifiable measurements that you help business owners, service providers with in order to accommodate certainly motivation, but let alone inspiration to make more money, help more people and have more fun? Definitely. It's a, it's a matter. It's like, it's like at bats, right? It's like in baseball and it, it, it totally is a, a, a law of averages. Um, you know, there are, when you look at stats relative to like say batting average, you have to have a certain number of plate appearances in order for it to count, right? So if you've only had five plate appearances and you're batting 800, people would know like, look, statistically this is skewed because you've only appeared five times. So we have a, a requisite amount of plate appearances before we're even statistically, before it's not a statistical anomaly. If we understand that, the first thing in sales to understand is we have to get a lot of at-bats. And so on the front side, when we talk about top of funnel and we use fancy words like that, the whole thing is 
we need to be able to be in front of as many people as possible. And I think that inside as a human being, sometimes we have these um, limitations or negative uh, thoughts that enter our mind, self-doubt that, well, we really don't want to share. Listen, um, you know me, I am an introvert. So it doesn't, the law of averages just right there don't, don't go in my favor. I'm not the one that's out there trying to talk to everybody and be the life of the party. However, when it comes to trying to share a gift, um, I realize that I have to do that. Like I want to get out in front of people. So number one is law of averages. You have to get a lot of at bats. Number two is when you get an at bat, you have to swing the bat. Um, I can guarantee you this. If you step up to the plate and your goal is I'm just going to take every pitch and see if I can get a walk to first base, Eventually, they're going to figure this out and they're just going to throw, you know, a 70 mile an hour, you know, loft it right down the middle and, and get you called out on strikes. And so, so many people say, yeah, I get it, Sean. Um, I am getting a lot of at bats, but I'm like, yeah, but you're not swinging, right? In order to make the swing in sales, we, we have to, again, leverage this concept of math. I love that, that this is the topic. Um, we have to make deposits. And we're very aware of this right now with the banking world, right? We talk about the depositors. And so we, we deposit into the situation, into the relationship, because sales happens between two humans. We can strongly take advantage of this. Thankfully, um, they're talking about now um, AI, maybe doing some sales stuff. Um, running a lot of like the chat sequences. But what's interesting is AI can't make deposits of value into the human ecosystem. It can just answer questions. It can lead them down a path. But I think that what you need to do is what I call it are, are, is community goodwill deposits, goodwill coins. So I'm going to just deposit goodwill into the sales process in the very beginning before I make a swing. So I'm not going to make an ask until I have provided goodwill into the situation. And I think that's where that mathematical equation comes in. A lot of great salespeople intuitively understand when the threshold has been met with the goodwill deposits and they can make an ask, commonly known as the law of reciprocity. But if all I do is ask you for things and um, you're constant, maybe initially because you're a great guy, you, you give, you, you acquiesce. But if I keep doing that, eventually it's going to wear on you because I'm not making sufficient deposits. And if I'm only making withdrawals, eventually I'm going to put the bank under. I'm going to collapse the system. Um, Sales is full of people who are really skilled at just conning people, in essence, into giving up their goodwill without making a deposit. And long term, that can't work. Mathematically, if you make more withdrawals, then you make deposits, you are going to be bouncing checks, right? People talk about you're writing checks that you can't cash. Well, in sales, this happens a lot. You see a lot of people come onto the sales scene, enter the entrepreneurial scene. They make a lot of wild promises. They have strong social media presence, but they can't cash those checks because they failed to make those goodwill deposits. And then poof, they're gone. And so I think that the whole game is upfront. You got to get enough at bats. Two, you've got to swing the bat when when the pitch comes down the middle. Three, you've got to understand the law of reciprocity. You've got to make goodwill deposits with your, with your value that you add into the ecosystem before you ask for a withdrawal. And if you have collectively made more deposits than you're asking for a withdrawal, you will be able to, in the uh, law of compounding interest, you will be able to compound your effect. You will be able to actually end up at the end of the day because you're pulling a little bit from here and a little bit from there with more, aggregate more than what you started with. And I think that's the whole name of the game in sales 
And it does boil down at the end of the day to a mathematical equation. Yeah, within the context of that math, and it all makes sense, you know, it's really important to practice because you mentioned the deposits and the withdrawals. A lot of times people are making the deposits, but they're not filling out the deposit slips. Uh, in my opinion, what I mean by that is they haven't practiced articulating the quantitative value. They're in love with their product. They also fall into a trap of overselling, back-end selling, lying, manipulating, and cheating because they love their product unintentionally. They assume or come across like they're overselling, back-end selling, lying, manipulating, cheating because they assume that they've effectively communicated their deposit. Uh, and it is exactly like, imagine going to the bank and just putting $10,000 cash onto the bank teller's uh, you know, counter and walking away. And they have no idea where the $10,000, but you assume they knew it was Sean Dill, they knew it was into this specific account. And I see a lot of people not practicing articulating the quantitative value uh, because they make an assumption that everybody knows that they made that uh, deposit. And uh, I see a lot of people with great intentions falling down because they haven't practiced articulating quantitative value to exceed what they're asking for. So they look like a taker. They look like a bleeder. Uh, and they look as if the uh, balance sheet is not equitable in its nature. Uh, before I get, get a comment from you, Jake, we're right at 15 minutes. I always like to reset the room. So a lot of people have rejoined us and additionally joined us. Uh, can you just set the room real quick? And I'm going to have Sean touch on how important practice of the sharing of a vision and quantifying and articulating that. Perfect. I'm not sure everyone could hear Jake, but he basically reset the room on Clubhouse. Anyway, we're talking about assumption. And uh, in baseball, there's a famous line, if you assume you make an ass of you and me. Uh, and that's really what we're talking about in sales. Too many people make too many assumptions and they're not doing the work. How important is it to consider this articulation of quantitative value as a practice, not just a born salesperson? Yeah, again, I think that just boils down to whether we're playing a short game or a long game. Um, you know, I find it interesting. There's a lot of content out there around money mindset, like how we think about our money how we value our money. One thing that I find is most people, even if they struggle with a money mindset, have at least some idea of how much money they have. There's a quantitative, quantitative value. Some people are intimately in touch with their money because they check in every day, they understand um, their balances, they understand where their money is. Other people, not so much, but what they do is they kind of live, they, they get deposits into their bank account, they run their ATM card until it runs to zero and then they can't use it anymore and then they get another paycheck and they do it again. So there's a quantitative um, understanding of how much money you have. Selling, true selling in my mind is, is about leveraging relationships in order to create these win-win scenarios for your prospect and for yourself, right? Um, maybe I'll, I'll circle back and talk about the transaction of selling. But inside of, inside of this, there, there is a quantitative balance. Um, I feel like your relationships are just as, if not more important than your bank balance. So if you have an app on your phone where you can access the balance of how much money is in your checking account, your money market account, and your investment accounts, why do we not have a place where we are checking in with the status of our relationships? 
Now in sales, again, if we lose that human touch, oh, I have a CRM. But what we're talking about here is really understanding the checks and balances of where we are on the relate on the relationship scale. And especially in the sales world, like where I am, am I in a place where I can go and ask for the order? Am I at a place where I should ask for the sale? Or am I at a place where I still need to boost it up? Like if I know that my bank account only has $100 in it and I want to take my wife out to a nice restaurant to have, have dinner, I, I need to wait. I, I can't go tonight because it's going to be embarrassing when I pull out my card and they're like, Sean, you don't have You have insufficient funds. This happens a lot in sales, though, because we don't check in. We don't know where we are on that quantitative scale. Then we make the ask and we say, hey, Dave, how would you like to buy my something or another? And I have insufficient funds. And you say no, not because you don't like the offer, not because you're rejecting the, the, the thing that you don't see value in what I'm putting forward to you, but because I have insufficient funds in the community goodwill that's been created between you and I. You don't trust me. You don't know if the offer is valid. You don't know if at the end of the day, because it's intangible, if I'm going to produce on it. All of those things stack up to where it causes us then to make these mistakes. And then what happens? You know what happens? I make an ask with insufficient funds and I take it personally. I'm like, Dave doesn't like me. Dave must think I'm a jerk. And then I start, that's how I start feeding this negative feedback loop. I'm like, see, I knew I shouldn't have been doing that Meltzer sales training. They tricked me. And now I, now I feel bad about myself. I'm not doing Friday trainings anymore. I'm not going to ask people. I'm not going to tell people. I'm not going to make the, make the clothes. And that we get ourselves stuck in these negative cycles because we, again, we're trying to cast checks that we don't have the funds to cash. If you want to ask for a $100 offer, we don't need as much goodwill banked as if I'm going to ask for 1000 or if I'm going to ask for 10000 or or 100000 It takes time. Sales, true sales on high-ticket offers is a long game, and we, have to, and we have to play that long game. I do want to circle back on, on the transaction. I ask people, like, hey, what, what actually are we selling? Um, and I get a lot of different answers. Um, you know, oh, my, I'm selling my time or I'm selling my expertise in exchange for their money. Um, I always tell people, I think if we could frame it this way, it will help. What, what we're really selling is I'm putting up my reputation in exchange for your commitment. Now, your commitment comes in two forms. Your commitment comes financially. So you're going to commit some sort of finances to the transaction. But it also comes in the form of time. Right. So no matter what, the sales transaction will require your time. There might be I sell you something and it requires training or I sell you something and it requires your engagement. But here's a great way to think of this. Before I make the ask for the transaction, I have to say to myself, am I willing at this moment in the journey to stake my reputation on this? Because it takes a long time to build up your reputation and it takes a split second. To make how embarrassing is it really when you can't, when you bounce a check, right? And I think we've all been there in life. It's embarrassing, and it takes a long time to rebuild even yourself back up after that. So it's the same thing when I am making inappropriate asks at inappropriate moments in the sales cycle. It damages my reputation with the other person. That makes it even more difficult to circle back and get that sale, but also inside of your community because you will spread this like oh. Don't buy from Sean. He's always selling these things. He can't come through on. He, he, he doesn't value us as people. He just sees us as, as bank, bank accounts. And so this is something that we have to think every time before I ask for the sale. 
is my reputation in a place? Am I willing to stake my reputation? Have I banked enough goodwill that I can put my reputation on the line and make this ask? And I think one of the other things that I've learned, and you bring up this great uh, relationship between commitment and reputation, uh, but within the context of that, as you grow, you know, there's still the 10% that no matter what are going to live below the line in blame, shame, justification. There's going to be 10% of relationships that no matter what you do, your credibility in the relationship will always exceed the commitment uh, that they make. In fact, in the last seven years, as I've implemented the trust and vet process into all of my investments, uh, the only time they failed is on the reputation or credibility of the individual, not the product. The, the, the product uh, is or isn't what was represented by the person, and the person is the person that has let me down. And I'm much more forgiving uh, when that person falls in the 10% that they've already you know, have uh, kind of like in the, the, the woke movement, there, there's the untouchables out there. You know, Chris Rock can, can go ahead and do a completely inappropriate comedy skit. And 10% of the people are going to hate him, but he nails no matter what he says, the other 90%. Um, and I think you have the same thing involved in sales, that your reputation will always have those who are attacking it uh, through blame, shame, and justification. Uh, the most dishonest people that I've done business with are the ones who blame me the, the most. It's, 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 it's like a given commitment reputation. And so those people that don't live up to their commitments uh, and are living below the line, I think it's important to have a relationship not only to know when we're selling, but also a relationship with understanding there's going to be a certain amount of people that are going to continually attack you, judge you, and try to hurt your reputation, even if you're living in the perception mindset and capability of the truth. You know, it's I don't want to get I don't want to get super biblical on you, but that's a lesson that I, I've had to learn as well. Um, and I think that all, all of us struggle and it comes, you know, with degrees of success. We struggle with this. Um, but the blessings, super important is that the blessings are intended for you and your blessings will be bestowed upon you in front of your enemies. And so one of the things that's super difficult is like we struggle with this, but you have the 10 percent is necessary for you to receive the blessings that are intended to you. And I mean, if you truly understand this in the universal cycle, that this is a necessary part of you receiving your abundance, so many of us, when we encounter that, and I know this wasn't necessarily the intention of today's training, but when we encounter that, we run from it. So we find these people and we're like, oh my gosh, these people are, are, are you know, bad and, and I'm going to remove myself from the situation. But if you understand truly that your blessings are intended for you in front of your enemies, you get brought back into the same situation again. Like how many times, and, and boy, was this been a big lesson for me, have we seen people who they have a, a situation, they maybe they find a David Meltzer in their life, they receive coaching, they complain about it, Dave puts them, gives them some guidance, but they run from the problem, they run from the enemy, and then in three or six months, they're back in the exact same situation because they, they are intended to be blessed, but they can't receive the blessing because they keep 
thinking that they give so much emphasis to this 10% and they keep thinking that if I could correct that, that will bring the blessing. But the reality is that the 10% are there to bear witness to you and your abundance. Like, you know, I, I, I've been on these lives before with you and there's always a random person who's writing, you know, crazy stuff right in the comments. <laughs> Those people are there as to serve a purpose because it allows the other people to bear witness. Like you, your, your abundance comes in front of the haters. The haters are necessary. Um, you can't allow that to distract you or deter you from your true purpose. And listen, I think that's, you know, when you get rejected in sales, that's one of the things that happens, right? We take it so personally. I tell people too, I love this concept. You know, you and I had dinner last night and at some point during the dinner, the server comes by and the server says, hey, can I get you guys, you know, more, uh, more iced tea? And we say, oh no, we're good. We don't need more iced tea. We're fine. The server never takes that personally. The server never goes away and says, oh my gosh, I hate those people at that table because they keep rejecting me. We're not rejecting the person. We're just rejecting the idea of more iced tea. And so when we can conceptualize that, then we're good. How important is credibility for a pitch? Hey, credibility is the potentially number one thing for your, and I, I don't love the word pitch, right? Um, I'm going to just uh, say that, um, you know, I think it's a great idea for us to work collectively to eliminate this idea of a pitch or an elevator pitch. Let me tell you why. Um, when, when you say pitch, in, in my position, I can speak for Dave, nobody loves to be pitched. Like how many of you watching now are like, you know what, I hope that today on Friday that I get some really cool pitches. Unless you're a VC, um, then you probably do hope for cool pitches. But just as a person walking around, I, I don't want to be pitched. You know, when I, when I definitely don't want to be pitched is in an elevator. Like how many times have you been in an elevator? And then all of a sudden the person just turns around and is like, I got to tell you about these new cold plunge pools that I'm making. Um, They're revolutionizing the world. You're not going to buy a cold plunge in the elevator. It's an inappropriate time to make a pitch. And we give so much emphasis for young entrepreneurs to craft our pitch. I think it would be really great if we just crafted our ability to effectively communicate, right? So we don't need to have necessarily a pitch. We need to get really skilled in effective communication. But inside effective communication, how important is credibility? I mean, that's essential because if I am telling you things, and we mentioned this earlier, and you fundamentally don't believe that what I'm telling you is true, think about this in any relationship, right? Um, if you are in a, in a romantic relationship with somebody and you fundamentally don't believe that they're telling you the truth, the entire relationship is in jeopardy. I don't even believe when you say we're going to have steak tonight because there is a fundamental breakdown in the credibility point. So how important is credibility? It's the basis, the foundation for every word that comes out of your mouth. And so I think that before I even start a quote pitch, before I even start to talk to you about what I have to offer into your world. Again, from a mathematical standpoint, I need to be sure that the credibility threshold has been reached. Dave Meltzer's back, everybody. Hey, thank you, Internet. And talk, we were talking about the enemy and the interference that the enemies create. And uh, I think God or the universe wanted everyone to feature Sean Dill, Dr. Sean Dill here. And the credibility for me is your credibility is at the highest level, Sean. Uh, you always manage and meet my expectations with great abundance, which is uh, 
you know, an amazing aspect of what you do. But I want to leave you with this, uh, that my mission is to be as close to my potential of credibility. And what I mean by that is, if I'm close to 100% or could ever get to, which I haven't, 100% credibility, then everybody would believe and do what I asked them to do. If I said, hey, everyone, you know, wire me a million dollars today and I'll wire you back two million on Monday, 100% of the people would find that money if I was 100% credible. But I feel as if a lot of people don't utilize their credibility effectively and they end up doing only the emotional side of things because people will buy on emotion for logical reasons. But if we're not delivering and managing expectations, we're just creating more void shortages, obstacles for the future. And in that context, to be kind to your future self is to be as honest as possible and be able to articulate that honesty. Uh, John Bill, I know it's early. I know you have a lot going on, but you always show up for me. And that just builds our credibility in that relationship. You look so very handsome in that Travis Matthews jacket. For those people who can't see, thank you for carrying the show. Thank you for saving the show as the internet dropped off for me. I will see you in a couple hours on stage. Everybody check out Sean Dill. Check out the Black Diamond Club. They have the most valuable events. We're doing a, a sold-out Scotland mastermind. We speak around the world together. And uh, you're bringing joy by teaching people to make money, help people, and have fun. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Have a great day, everybody. You got it. Thank you.